Hey, hey, it's that time of week again. Time for another episode of Queer Street, and thanks for tuning in. Now, you'll remember last week I fucked up with the order of the books. So last week's missing is technically book five, even though I talked about it like for book four. But this week, the wrong number, we're going to say it was book four, but I'm talking about it episode five. So as it just so happens, though, its publication date is March 1st, 1990. And since this is March 3rd, you know, it all kind of worked out. So we're in the 90s, remember now, we are in a new decade, things are looking good, unless you live in Shadyside, then things are looking shitty. And Shittyside, Shadyside, hmm, maybe they're going to change the name of the town, I'm not sure. Anywho, March 1st, 1990, and it comes in at 176 pages, which is a little bit longer. Last week was about 178, I believe. But um, this one actually, in my opinion, has the most fleshed out plot thus far the most that's not so juvenile like i could definitely see this one being adapted to like a movie or something or a little series or but it would be on lifetime you know it wouldn't be on like fx for sure and not hbo max because you know it's i mean it's fear street you know it's not you know we still got you know a little bit of fun easygoing hokiness so it would definitely be on lifetime but it would still be good you know we'd be watching this on lifetime in the fall you know right before they started playing all their christmas movies you know, so basically, like, I guess we'd be watching, like, August. But anywho, so let's go ahead and read the back jacket. This one says, and it has starts with a quote. It says, please come quickly. You're my only hope. No, no, no. I know what you're thinking. It is not followed by Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love that. <laughs> so, no, this is not this is not a Star Wars tie-in. Um, as of yet, he, uh, Arlstein, has yet to do a Star Wars tie-in. Fear Street, I'm not saying he's going to do one. I'm just saying with that goofy quote, and I'm just kind of getting off on a tangent. But anyhow, who, anyhow, anywho. Anyway, that's what it was. That was the love child of anyway and anywho was anyhow. Okay, so it begins as an innocent prank when Dina Martinson and her best friend Jade Smith make sexy phone calls to the boys from school. But Dina's half-brother Chuck catches them in the act and threatens to tell their parents, unless the girls let him in on the fun. Chuck begins making random calls, threatening anyone who answers. It's dangerous and exciting. They're even enjoying the publicity and the uproar they've caused until Chuck calls a number on Fear Street. To his horror, Chuck realizes he has called the wrong number. The jokes are over when murder is on the line. The murderer knows who they are and where they live, and they have no one to call for help. <gasps> so... That's a pretty good synopsis. And in the front, <laughs> the tagline is not that great. It basically just reiterates what it said on the back. It says, it began as a prank and ended in murder. So the cover, though, this is a really good cover. Now, the cover artist for this one is called Gabriel. And his, oh, I can't, oh, I just, I should have written it down. Anywho, he's going by Gabriel. That's not his whole name. I don't know this last name. I'll have to look it up. But he did some of the more earlier ones before we get into Bill Schmidt. But they look very similar. Now, this is like some super realistic look. So we've got Dina and Jade sitting on a bed, somewhat scantily clad, more so Jade because she's a bit of a whore. We'll get into that later. But they're looking there shocked, <gasps> gasping, and they have a phone in between them. And then out in the back, you can see it's dark. It's that blue. There's a moon. There's creepy this. There's a creepy tree. Definitely still getting this creepy Fear Street vibe, even though Dina doesn't live on uh, Fear Street. She's a little bit wealthy and bougie, so she doesn't live there. But I love this cover. It's great, especially the look on Jade's face is like, <gasps> gasp. Dina looks a little bit more constipated or confused. 
But yeah, yeah, Jade is definitely knows some shit's going down. <laughs> but not Dana, she's clueless. Which, you know, she's kind of par for the course. Anywho, getting in on this book. So we've got it, like I said, first of all, this book starts with like a really quick, like one page prologue from the killer's point of view, talking about how he's got a week left in the plan. Oh, I say he, sorry, spoiler alert, it's a he, but you know, they, whatever. Um, got a week left in the plan. You know, they're ready for this to happen. Then we cut to meeting Dina and Jade. They're going to die or put this weird stuff in Jade's hair because Jade's mom is a beauty beauty stylist beauty what do you call it my cousin is one beauty beauty salon owner beautician yeah okay and so now we're talking about hair so dina's hair is short and blonde and thin she's not happy with it because the main character's never happy with how they look because it's the 90s and well they're human and jade has some auburn curly hair that's gorgeous of course Ooh, there goes a big truck across the street then, so they're talking, they're going to put this stuff in them. They're supposed to make her hair just look absolutely fabulous. And Dina tells Jade that her half-brother is moving in. It's her, her um, dad's son from his first marriage. And he's going to be moving in because he got kicked out of his other school. And he's a bad guy, which totally perks up Jade's whore ears. Because she's all like, oh, really? Oh, if he doesn't know me, he will soon. Mm-hmm. But then... <laughs> Jade notices Dina's new phone, and I love this part because this totally dates this, and I cannot get enough of it. So it's described as being blue and looking like something that would like be like a heavy-duty piece of like machinery, and it has, get this, I mean, it is top of the line because her dad works for the phone company, Dina's dad does. It has speed dial, and you can program like, like more than a couple numbers, like nine or something. <laughs> yeah. Speed dial, you can put people on hold and it's got speaker foam. <sighs> Bitch, I told you Dina was bougie. But anyway, so, <laughs> so Jade is very, very excited about this. So she insists that they call her little sister, um, Kathy, who's babysitting at the house and put on speakerphone so they can prank her. Just a little fun. So she calls and they do this little goofy prank that <laughs> she's from the mall and her sister, Kathy has been voted the worst dress shopper. Kathy recognizes Jade's voice because I guess she's not smart enough to disguise it. And so she's like, well, let's call somebody else. This will be fun. We'll prank call um, Henry Raven. He's this nerd. So she pretends to be his secret admirer. She gets on her sexy, sultry voice, which, you know, for Jade is not too hard because she's a bit of a whore, like I said before. And so she says she's, she's his secret admirer. And he's all like, True to nerd, he's like, uh, yeah, I, I got homework to do. I'm too busy to do this. Call somebody else and hangs up on them. Way to go, Henry Raven. But um, then she dares Dina to do a prank phone call. And he's like, oh my God, I can't. Who am I going to call? And so then she decides to call Rob, one of the most popular boys that, of course, she has a crush on because that's how it always is. So she calls him and uses her sexy voice. <laughs> Seriously, they're talking about like a sultry, sexy whisper. So I'm assuming they're trying their best to sound like a 900 number operator, but um, I'm not going to try. I'm going to spare you that since you have to listen to me anyways. So she she calls him and she pretends to be a secret admirer. And, oh, and then she hangs him and says, I'll talk to you later, big boy. She doesn't say that, but that's what I imagine she says. And I know I promised I wasn't going to do the voice, but sorry, you know. So then... She later that night, she's going to the airport to pick up Chuck. He comes and they're kind of like, he's like too cool for school, you know, and they're on their way back to Dina's house and they see this big wreck and um, this car is starting to catch on fire. And this lady's like, my dog, Tuffy. So 
Chuck runs across and jumps into the car to save the dog and the car explodes. And that's where the chapter ends. Come to find out he's fine. He's fine. But Jade's all shaken up about it. And she's nervous because the next day is the first day of school. I mean, seriously, who moves the first day of school? Come on, Mr. and Mrs. Martinson. You couldn't get this shit together and get Chuck in a couple of days early. Anywho, it's not my kid, whatever. So they, um, first day of school, things are going great. She hasn't seen Chuck all day. She meets Jade at lunch and Jade comes up with some hot gossip. The year is a new hottest couple in school. And here's again, where we get a little bit not politically correct and showing our times here, but it's the two fattest kids. <laughs> The two fattest kids are now a couple. We've got Bruce Kipnis and Sherry Murdoch. So they don't really make fun of them, but it does mention that they're the fattest kids. So you could never say that now, but you know, way to go, Bruce and Sherry. You go get your love on, get your body positive loving. So then, so that's, that's the news she's got. Well, here comes Chuck walking into the, into the cafeteria and someone yells, he's got a knife. And that's where that chapter ends. This chapter's big on, uh, or this chapter, I'm sorry. This book is big on end of chapter um, cliffhangers, which I am all about. I love a good cliffhanger in a chapter. I love it. Mm. Sorry, I had to get some wine. So then we switch to the killer's point of view who says his plan's already started to work. He's just got a few, little bit more time to work. Then we get back to Dina. She's bemoaning her life. She's thinking about it's it, the first week of school is over. She's thinking it's been a bad week. Trigonometry's hard. She doesn't know why she decided to sign up for trigonometry. I honestly don't even know what the fuck trigonometry is. I was not that great at math in high school. I hated math. You know, flash forward and now, spoiler alert, I teach math to third graders and I actually enjoy it. I still don't know what the fuck trigonometry is. I want to say it has something to do with shapes but that's vague. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those maths where you just work with letters and shit. I don't know. But anyway, her social life is blah because Jade's more popular because she's a whore. And so the only reason she gets invited anywhere is because she's Jade's friend. And then of course, Chuck is cramping her style because he got into a fight on the first day. So he's all in, tr in trouble. So then Jade calls. She's coming over, you know, to see Dina and also because she's got a crush on Jake. Uh, Jake, my God, I'm sorry. That's Jade and Chuck. That's their, their nickname together, probably. But Jade's got a crush on Chuck. So she's coming over and she wants Dina to call Rob again, which she does because, you know, she's, she's very, very easy to please. She wants to make Jade happy. So she calls and as she hangs up there to figure out who they're going to call in, Rob jump, jumps in. He might jump. I don't know. He walks in and he's overheard them and he threatens to tell on them as he makes fun of them for their lame attempts at prank calls. Um, but he wants in on it. Okay. And they're like, oh, he's and he he brings up the conversation turns to Fear Street, you know, because he's new. And they're like, oh, it's horrible. It's, you know, it's haunted. It's got all this. Things happen to it. He thinks they're full of shit and tries to call them on it. But Dina and Jade, Mm -mm, they believe it. There's a storm raging. This power goes out. And when the power comes back on, Chuck is unconscious on the floor. Yes, that's the end of a chapter. Then beginning of the next chapter, he jumps up. He thinks he's funny as hell because he's played a trick on them. And Jade's probably like, oh, Chuck. But, you know, I'm a, she didn't say that. But again, I'm reading between the lines, people. That's my job. So, but anyway, it's now the next day. He comes back in and he wants to... Uh, I'm sorry, it's not the next day. Oh my goodness, I skipped ahead. 
Okay, I'm gonna have to go back. Sorry, I will insert a cute little rewind sound here. But back to where I was said <laughs> that he was making fun of them. He wants in on it. He does get in on it. He ends up calling the bowling alley and he uh, phones in a bomb threat to the bowling alley. So that's his idea of a, of a prank call. So it is more of a prank call than um, Jade and Dina's lame attempts, but it's a little bit, you know, crazy. So then now it's the next day and the front cover of the newspaper, front cover, front page of the newspaper is all about the bomb threat. The police are taking it very seriously. Jade's all excited because they made the paper and she's all proud of Chuck and Dina is just worried sick. So it's Saturday now at the end of school. Chuck, um, Dina, Jade, Dina, Jade, and Chuck are having a little grilling. They're out talking and Dina's all worried. She's been worried sick over trying to tell Dina and, oh my goodness, I am I need to slow down my talking apparently or maybe stop drinking this wine. But anywho, I'll have to cut that part out. So it is Saturday now, school's over and we've got Dina, Jade and Chuck are having a little bit of a grilling party at Dina's house. You know, they're chatting. They're having a good time. Dina has been worried sick about um, confronting Jade and Chuck and telling them that she does not want to do any more of these prank calls because she just can't stand it. She's so torn up about the bomb threat. But Chuck and Jade say, oh, that's fine. We're not going to do any more. And they're holding hands because, you know, Jade's a hoe. And so then they start talking about Fear Street again. And Chuck is all like, this is bullshit. And the girl's like, no, it's true. Bullshit. No, bullshit. No. And so then he's like, you know what? I'm going to prove it to you. So they go inside. And even though they have just said they're not going to do it anymore, they're teenagers. It's the 90s. What the hell? They're going to do what they want. He just picks a random number off of Fear Street and calls it to prove them that there's nothing to be afraid of at Fear Street. Well, when the woman answers, she's screaming that he's going to kill me. Help, help. Then we hear fighting and a man answers and says, you got the wrong number and hangs up. Well, now they freak out because they know where they are in some deep shit because Jade immediately wants to call the police, but they're like, we can't call the police. How are they going to know? We've been making prank phone calls. Look, I think the police are going to go a little easy on you guys for making your prank phone calls because somebody's being murdered. But Chuck says they, they'll tie it back to the bomb threat. He's the one to get in trouble, you know, because he's already in trouble for fighting at school. He was already kicked out of one school because he's a bad boy. I bet he has a leather jacket. Hard for me to tell. It doesn't mention it and he's not on the cover, but I'm pretty sure he wears a leather jacket because he's a bad boy and it's the 90s. So they have to know. So they agree they're going to drive to this house. They look in, because this is back. And if you're listening to this now, we used to have this thing called the Yellow Pages. Um, it was a big giant book with everybody in your city's number on it and address. And that's what they're using. We didn't have the Google. We didn't have, um, Siri. We didn't have Amazon. We didn't have Google or Alexa or anybody. And how I just said all those names and not one of them bitches listens, but you know, I'm saying something and they're going to chime in, but no, I actually said their name and ain't nobody got nothing to say. Do you, do you? I'm looking at my phone, but she ain't going to say nothing. Anyway, back to that. So they look up, they get the, the address because that's what you did back in the day. And they drive to Fear Street. Well, when they pull up, it's dark. Seems like nobody's home. Chuck gets out, knocks on the door. The girls are all like, ah, we don't want to be alone in the car. So we're going to come with you. So they go around to the back door and the they look in. The house has been ransacked. So they sneak in because, you know, they've 
already been prank calling. Clearly the next step is going to be breaking and entering, but they're worried about this woman that answered the phone call. They walk in, bam, what do they see? Dead woman on the floor in a pile of blood. Pile of blood? Puddle of blood. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a pile. It'd be more of a puddle. Anyway, bitch is dead. And so she's been stabbed. Chuck freaks out. They go to call the police so they can, maybe they can still help her. And as he's getting ready to call the police, they hear footsteps coming down the stairs. Here's this man in a ski mask with a tire iron. Chuck grabs the knife because he's not thinking he's trying to be a hero because really he's, as we'll find out, he's a badass with a heart of gold. You know the kind, you know the kind. He still wears that leather jacket well though. So there's that. So they they start to scuffle. The man goes to hit him with a tire iron but misses. And then they run out of the house, jump in the car and they're being followed by the man. He jumps in his car and follows them. They get to Dina's house and run inside. <gasps> And the man drives off. Oh, the anxiety they must have had. Oh, my Lord. Well, as the girls run inside, Chuck's already in there calling the police. And the girl's like, why do you? He's like, he tells them, he can't give them his name because again, he's so scared. He says that he's the Fear Street or the Phantom of Fear Street. So that's how that chapter ends. Dina has a nightmare, obviously, because she's so torn up. Poor innocent thing. But then she hears something knocking on the door. She hears a knock on the door in the middle of the night. She freaks out. She thinks it's the man come back to kill them. Oh, but it's worse than being killed. Yo, it's the popo at the door. The police are at the door asking Mr. and Mrs. Martinson, it's 2 a.m. Um, if they have one son and two daughters or if they have a teenage boy and two girls. And they're like, no, but we got a teenage boy and one girl. And it's like, well, we need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. That's right. So talks to them. What were they doing that week? Because they got a call from this Mr. Farberson. Mr. Farberson said that he came home, found these three teenagers in his house, ransacking, breaking and entering, and they done killed his wife. And when they ran, he got their license plate. Turns out it's Dina's car. Well, it's Dina's mom's car because it's the 90s, you know, so she didn't have her own car. Even though she's rich, she ain't that rich. I guess she ain't a rich. She's rich, bitch. If you are a Real Housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> that was my that was my NeNe Leakes impersonation. It wasn't that great, but oh God, that's a good scene. But I digress. Um, so, <laughs> so they have to take Chuck and Dina in because they have this evidence. They've got dirt on the, oh, I forgot, dirt on the tire. They've got the, the, um, license plate. So they go in, Dina's all said, they take them in, they question them separately. Dina's so exhausted and beside herself. She falls asleep on a bench to where her dad wakes her up. Chuck's been arrested because they found his fingerprints on a knife in the house. And they are tracked that back to a stolen car from his old town before he got kicked out. Ugh, told you he was a bad guy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So they've arrested Chuck for the murder of Mrs. Farberson. Oh, fuck. It's Faberson. No, it's Farberson. I <laughs> can't read my own handwriting. I was writing it quickly. So once again, poor little Dina. This bitch is going to lose her mind because she's so upset. She wants to confess. She calls Jade. We got to tell our parents. We got to tell them. Jade agrees. Jade agrees, even though I don't know why this bitch agrees, because neither Dina nor um, Chuck told them that they didn't give Jade's name to the police. So Jade could have just been like, see you, bitch. I'm out of this. But she's a good friend. She's a whore with a heart of gold. So they agree. They go to tell Dina's parents and her parents are like, okay, this sounds weird. We don't understand this. Let's take you to the cops. Cops don't believe this shit. The cops just think that Dina's trying to help out her big brother. 
Well, Monday comes, and they are the talk of the town at school. Everybody's talking about how Chuck had killed this Mrs. Farberson. It's on the front page of the Shady Side Sun, or ooh, I don't know if that's the name of the newspaper, but that's a really good name. The Shady Side Sun or the Shady Side Sentinel. Oh yeah, one of those. I don't think it's a name. I may have to research that. Anyhow, so it mentions them, but not by name. But since it's Chuck, everybody knows it's them. So oh, she can't concentrate poor Dina on her work in trig. Not only is trigonometry hard, but now her brother is in prison for murder, in jail for murder. So all she can think about is that man with the knife, or with the, the man with the mask and the knife and everything. So she goes home that day and then Jay calls her out. She goes home. She tells her to turn on the TV. They're interviewing Mr. Farberson about the death of his wife. And the girls recognize his voice. <gasps> yeah, you called it, girl. We all knew. We've been done knowing this. Mr. Farberson was the man in the mask. So the girls immediately go back to the police. These poor police are probably so damn tired of seeing these two girls. But anyway, they got to tell them that this masked man is Mr. Farberson. The police don't believe them, though, okay? But Jade has an idea. Jade has an idea. Remember now, her mom is the beautician. She has her beauty shop. So she goes and she borrows, I'm using air quotes here for borrows, some wigs. They're going to go to Mr. Farberson's job, his um, restaurant that he owns that they found out, and they're going to snoop around a bit. <sighs> Damn, Jade. And... It sounds like a good idea, but lest we forget, you're only like 17 years old. You're only in high school. I mean, it's putting on a wig. You may as well get them damn glasses with the big nose and mustache. Ain't nobody going to be able to believe that you're somebody else. Anyway, they put on a wig and they go to the restaurant and they overhear the greeter talking about how, oh, she, uh, about how they're um, getting ready to interview some people to replace this uh, Mr. Farber's assistant. So they say, oh, that's what we're here for. They interview. So, oh, but then who should walk through the door? It's Mr. Farberson. So the girls probably shit their britches, but he takes them back into the office to interview them. And as he's interviewing them, they're here for this, this job position, yada, yada, yada. In walks the lady from the front. She needs his help with the wine cellar. Mm. Speaking of wine, cheers. And so he leaves. Well, while they while he's gone, these girls start to look through the office. What can they find? They're looking all over the place. In walks Mr. Uh, Farberson, though. He's like, I'm on to you, girls. Again, they shit their britches. He's like, he doesn't know who they are, though. <laughs> that was the end of the chapter. I told you there's a lot of cliffhangers. He says, you girls are way too young. What's up? And they act offended. They're like, well, we wouldn't wear to work here. We thought, you know, we heard that Linda Morrison, who's the former assistant, uh, left this job. And we were going to interview, but we don't want a job here anymore. So they leave. They're glad as shit to get out of there. Because they thought for sure that they had been found out. So they go and look. The only thing that Jade was able to grab, because she's the only one with brains, even though she's a hoe, poor Dana is just a bumbling fool. And she's so worked up and, and upset. She doesn't know her ass from a hole in the ground. So she, um, Jade found a receipt for two one-way tickets to Argentina. And now I'm going to have to pause and pretend like I'm on the balcony of the Casa Rosada with my arms up in the air doing my best Evita impersonation, which I'm doing right now. So it's a cross between Patti LuPone and Madonna, just so you can see. But let's get back to the book. And 
hopefully you were also doing your best um, Don't Cry For Me Argentina impersonation. So they're, they decide now, they're already, you know, in this, they're already in disguise. They're just going to find out who this Linda Morrison is. They're going to go see if they can get some more information from her. She was the uh, former assistant. Maybe they can find out information about Mr. Farberson from her. So they go there and they're guys this time. <laughs> God bless Jade. They are college students. So they've, you know, obviously they couldn't pass for being working women. <laughs> so now they're college students working for a survey company. And they've gone, they've come to ask Mrs. Morrison, Miss Morrison, about her former employer, the restaurant, to get some questions. So she's asking them all their these questions. And Miss Morrison's getting a little suspicious, but the phone rings. Well, they overhear her saying, darling, I, you have to come get this. I'm so anxious. And then she calls him Stanley, which is... Mr. Farberson's first name. Well, the girls shit their britches again. They're like, oh, crap. So they quickly say, well, uh, that's all the questions we have. We got to get out of here. They go hide in their car. And who should drive up? <whistles> you bet it was Mr. Farberson. He's come to take care of this package that Linda can't stand to have in the house. Jade thinks she knows exactly what is in this package. It's got to be the mask and the shirt he was wearing that are covered in blood. It's got to be their proof. So they follow him. He drives all the way back to near his restaurant where he dumps this package in a dumpster. So yes, in true like fashion, these girls, I mean, telling you, this is has the most intricate plot of all of these so far. They jump in the dumpster <laughs> and they've got grosses, there's the smell, they're talking about it and they find the bag and they open it. And it's a dead cat. Now, I have an interesting dead cat in a bag story for later that I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but it is one of my biggest regrets not opening a bag that I was nearly positive to this day was full of at least one dead cat. Long story short, I didn't open it. I regret not opening it. Spoiler alert, it could also have been trash, but I still believe it was full of dead cats. So that's my personal connection with this story. Anyway, back to the book. So they go there, a disappointed, it's just a dead cat. She must have been sad about her pet. So as they're getting back in their car, in their car, because apparently they don't know how to lock the doors because they don't have a little beep beep because it's the 90s. Kids, um, we didn't have remote power locks in the 90s. You had to use the key. And when you got in, you had to push the button down with your finger. Life was rough. Shit was real. So Faberson's in their back, Farberson's Faberson, Farberson's in their backyard. It's because the um, special ed teacher at my school last year, his last name was Faber, Mr. Faber. And so um, I get the two. That's why I keep going Faber, Farberson. Anyway, he threatens them and says that, well, y'all are getting a lot of bang for your buck in this episode. I am on 40 different tangents at once. I can't control it, but it's exciting. And so he threatens them. He's like, you bitches better stay out my business if you know what's good for you. Well, you know they done shit their britches. So they go back home. The next day, Dina, she's got to go visit Chuck. She tells him she's happy to see him. She tells him all about what they've learned. They, the disguise, they tell him. And she's like, we've got to prove it. We know something's up with him. We know he's the killer. You know, obviously we know he's the killer. We've got to, we've got to find evidence and proof. So we're going to go to his house tonight. And Chuck's all like, bitch, please. Because apparently Chuck got some damn sense. I don't know what's been happening in prison, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But some sense done been knocked into this fool. And he tells her not to go, but she's like, no, we got to. Cut to, it's that night. Y'all, we're getting, 
Shit's about to start picking up pace fast. Dean and Jade, they're walking to Fear Street. They're very nervous. They're going to this house. They they don't know what they're going to do. They're going because they know Faberson has to work that night. Faberson, damn it, I did it again. They know Farberson has to work that night. So maybe I'll edit some of these little glitches out. Maybe I won't, and I'll just annoy you or make you laugh at my goofiness. So they go back there. He's at work, and there's crime scene tape, so there's no one there. So they sneak in because they've already broken in once. I mean, come on. What's one more time, right? So they look, they look around. The house is still erect. There's the blood stain because I guess the crime scene people haven't cleaned it, and Farberson's a total nasty ass. And so they're looking around. They can't find anything downstairs. They go upstairs. They hear a noise. So they creep to the door and they open it. Turns out the window was just open and it had been storming, remember? So it was just blowing in the curtains. So they go to shut the window, but they can't get it shut. But then they do hear a noise. And this time is the damn front door opening. So they freak the hell out and they hide. They peer down the stairs. In walks Farberson and he sits down on the couch. He's watching TV and he passes out. Well, now they're trapped. Them bitches are trapped upstairs. They wait for him, like I said, to fall asleep. Then they try to sneak down. But of course, one of them knocks over a damn wastebasket because that's just how it's going to go. Nobody's twisted their ankle running yet in the woods, but they knock over a wastebasket wastebasket. I say wastebasket because that's the um, term used in here. I would have said trash can, but they knock it over and um, he he wakes up and he finds them. Oh, and he's like, well, 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 he is happier than a pig in mud to find them. And he's going to put an end to them once and for all, he says, as he confronts them. So Farberson is super excited. He's confronting them. He's glad he's finally got these bitches. They weren't going to list him. He's killed once. He has no problem killing again. Now, I just realized that I forgot to say something. Before he came, when they were rooting around upstairs, they found a letter from his wife, his well, dead wife, saying that she was leaving him because he's blown through all of her money, nearly all of her inheritance. She's tired of giving him money. The restaurant is failing. You know, so she's going to divorce him. So they're like, ah, oh, so this is it. They must be, you know, he killed his wife for the insurance money for her inheritance. He's going to run away with this Linda Morrison. They've got the evidence they need, right? Okay, flashback to where they are now. So he knocks Jade over and she's all like, run, Dina, run. And Dina feels bad. She can't leave Jade, but she's got to go get help. So she runs downstairs. And instead of leaving, she calls the police. She Or she goes to call the police. But before she can call the police, down comes Farberson telling her that he put her friend to, uh, she's taking a nap right now, very ominously, because he's a pervo too. He's a bit creeper. Anyway, so, but then they get into another kerfuffle, another fight, another scuffle. And uh, Dina hits him with a frying pan. I know what you're thinking. Where the fuck did she get a frying pan from? Well, remember the house was in, it was ransacked. So I guess there was a frying pan laying around. I don't know. Maybe it was one of those great rooms where it's like kitchen, living, dining room all in one big area and it wasn't so partial. I don't know. It didn't give me the floor plan. But anyway, she hits him with a with a frying pan and this is where she does what she shouldn't do in a horror movie. The bitch runs upstairs and I know why she does it. She's got to go check on Jade. You know, she doesn't want her to be dead, but she runs upstairs. Well, of course, Farberson's right behind them. And so he attacks her. They're, um, you know, he's struggling and out falls the letter 
and he picks it up and reads it and he's so now he's on to them they're tired they're trying to say you'll not get away with this because we know you're a murderer da, 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 you know that whole kind of thing and so he's like i'll be back to take care of you later he locks them in the room and here's the one thing they do smart they have the sense to push a bureau up against the door. Now, here again is a word I would not have used. I would have said dresser. Bureau and wastebasket. I think those must be Yankee words. I don't use those words. And I don't really know anybody that does. So I don't know. Let me know if those are Yankee words, you know. Anyway, so they push this dresser in front of the door. The only way out is through the window, which is no problem because there's this big ass tree. I'm going to guess an oak tree from the way it's described. Yeah, I'm gonna go with oak tree. And so they're, they're like, we can climb down the tree. So they climb out the window onto the tree branch and what do they see? It's Farberson down there at the base of the tree with a damn chainsaw. So he is happy because he's either gonna chop the tree down and they're going to come down or they're going to go back in and he's got them. So they're trapped. So he starts on that tree with the chainsaw and the tree swaying. But then they notice here come up Fear Street, come some lights, turn into the driveway. It's the police. I know what you're thinking. What the hell? How'd the police get here? Anyway, the police get there. So they grab Farberson, arrest him, get a ladder, get the girls down. And then as, just after they get down, the tree like collapses and Dina faints. <laughs> I guess because she had a very close brush with, you know, death. So, which I mean, I guess she did really have a close brush. I should make fun of it. I mean, if I were being chased by a man with a chainsaw on a tree, I'd probably pass out too. But she wakes up. They tell the police all about everything in the letter and they've already got Farberson arrested. And, but like, she's like, what the, basically what the hell's happening? So Chuck ends up telling them that they know Chuck's innocent. They've known Chuck was innocent, but this was all a ruse by pretending they had Chuck in jail for the murder that made Mr. Farberson a little less careful in his actions. So they've been following him. Okay. So Chuck was in on this, <laughs> that dirty bastard. And when after Dina left the visit, he was freaking out. So he tried calling her parents, but he couldn't get in them. So he called the, um, hmm. I'm having trouble hearing you. Now the bitch listens. You see what I said? I don't matter if you're having trouble listening to me. I wasn't talking to you. <sighs> anyway, so he calls the police and tells them that, and that is how they all ended up at Barberson's house at just the right time so last chapter we're here it's the next day at school they're the talk of the town this time everybody can't believe how they um solved this murder and now they're locally famous and everything and here enters lisa bloom remember we've talked about her before she's the nosy bitch the gossip of the school and of course she interviews um people and writes for the school newspaper so she wants to interview jade and dina and all's happy because Chuck and Jade are together. Then Rob walks up to Dina and says, you know, he's glad everything worked out. It must have been crazy. Hey, does she want to go out sometime? And that's where we end. Everybody's happy, except for Farberson, who's in prison for the murder of his wife. But everybody else is happy. Well, except for Mrs. Farberson, because she's dead. Which brings me to the wrap-up. So my rating was five stars. I love this one, because like I said, this was the first one with an actual, like, realistic or more like mature storyline that wasn't, you know, a little scattered everywhere. It was pretty well thought out plot. 
I applaud you, Mr. Stein. Thus far out of the five that we've had this far, this one's my favorite. Goodreads has it as a 3.7, you know, because we have bitches out there bringing down ratings. But I rated it as a five. Now, if you're keeping count of the deaths, we have Mrs. Farber. So I'm going to count her because even though she wasn't a character, a main character, she didn't die before the book. She bit the dust in the middle of the book. So we got Mrs. Farberson. Sorry, Mrs. Farberson, being stabbed to death by your husband, which brings our Fear Street death count up to three. And we're going to file this one under the fear of murder. Murder. Because we've got Farberson, who was the murderer on Fear Street. So this is actually the first one where, like, there was an actual weird shit going down on Fear Street. There was actually a murder. Now, here's your favorite part. I know we've talked about the body, yada, yada. We've talked about the rating. But you really came to find out who is the queer. Well, now, listen to this. Because I've got a little bit of a different queer for you. Well, not a different queer. But I, listen here. Listen here. I think I make a good case for this. The queer in this book is Dina. Now, I know what you're saying. She can't be the queer. Because she ended up with Rob at the end. But get this, our queer community is very wide and all-encompassing. And there are many, many colors to our rainbow. I think Dina's bi because homegirl had it for Jade. Jade's a whore. And that's okay, you know, good for her. But I think Dina had the hots for, had the hots for Jade because she, you know, she... Did all them prank calls just to make Jade happy. She obviously ran back upstairs to go check on her. So I think she got her little love and crush on Jade. But she also knows she wants a little bit of that Rob sickle. So our queer is Dina. She's by our first by queer. So yay for Dina. Hooray, Dina. Now next week, we're going to talk about the sleepwalker book number six in the series and now we're actually on the correct number so i hope this has been enjoyable this was my favorite thus far and um i can tell it was my favorite because i remembered a lot of it without having to do too many notes um and when i was looking back through it i was like oh yeah and i also remember a lot because this will actually be the first in the series to get a sequel there's not a ton of fear street sequels but in a couple of books let's see Book number 27 is the wrong number two. So this is the first one to get a sequel. So that's also why I. So we will revisit our bisexual Dina and her best whore friend Jade in a few weeks. But until then, it's me. Hope you have a good week and stay queer. Thanks. Bye.